Welcome back to Behind the Birds. This is your host, Nader G, Eagles World. Got to start up at the front and apologize to our loyal listening audience. It's true, we have not recorded a podcast in a very long time. And, you know, we regret that. We regret that here at Behind the Birds. It's been a busy, busy time of year for all of us. We don't make money off this podcast. We're just doing it for the love of the game. And it's been hard to coordinate all of our schedules. But with the big-time matchup between the Eagles and the 49ers, I thought it was time for us to fire the microphones back up, get back on the air, and talk a little bit of Eagles football, preview this 49ers matchup, talk about the Eagles season as a whole. I'm probably not going to do much on the Bills game. Um, you know, I may toss some thoughts in at the beginning. Maybe I'll just briefly touch on it when talking about the season recap. But I really want to focus this game on the 49ers and the Cowboys after that and talk about where we are in the Eagles schedule and, and what lies ahead and, and sort of taking stock of where this team is at. So, Let's start off with a couple of things everybody knows. The Eagles are 10-1, second year in a row. They have started 10-1, probably the best back-to-back starts in NFL history. I can't verify that. Don't quote me, but it sounds like it's something that would probably be true. Almost certainly the best back-to-back starts in Eagles history. Eagles have won 24 of their last 26 games with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback. I think it was 23-25 before the Bills game. They have won like six or seven games in a row where they've trailed by double digits. They've won. They've lost four in. They've won four games in a row where they've trailed at halftime. They've trailed back-to-back games against Super Bowl preseason contenders. By 10 points in halftime and come back to win the game, Jalen Hurts has now beaten Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in back-to-back weeks. The Eagles just beat the the Bills without their all-pro Hall of Fame right tackle, Lane Johnson. They sustained a couple of other injuries during the game. And yet, the train keeps on rolling ahead. So, 10-1, but... They are coming to this game with San Francisco as two and a half to three point underdogs, depending on where you look. Part of that is because San Francisco is probably the best team in the league. I know they've lost three games. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why I say that and, and, and the flaws that the Eagles have. But two and a half, three points at home to a team that's 10 and one and just won the NFC is a bit of a surprise. So let's look at why that might be the case and, and uh, take an honest accounting of where we're at at the Eagles season. Okay, everybody knows the record, and it's the best in the NFL by at least two games, but why are we underdogs? Why aren't we the favorites to win the Super Bowl, the favorites to win the NFC? What is the underlying numbers that keeps causing people to put us lower in the power rankings or underrate how good this Eagles team can be? Well, number one is that they are 7-1 and one in one-possession games. Obviously, a lot of talk last year with the Vikings about how fluky one-possession games can be. We've talked a lot about on this podcast about how really good teams, a sign of a really good team is that they blow out bad teams, and they get into 50-50 games against other good teams. So far, the Eagles have done more of that than I think people realize, and they've won a couple of 50-50 games against good teams in a row, and I think a lot of that actually has to do with the fact that, you know, 
it is in some case it is luck. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. We got very lucky. Marquez Valdez scanting drops the touchdown at the end of the Chiefs game. We got very lucky that James Cook drops the touchdown at the beginning of the Bills game, that Jake Elliott hits a 60-yard field goal. A lot of these things could go either way. If you play those games 10 times, we might lose them a few of those times. But it's also the case that the Eagles have been abnormally good in these late and close games at not flinching, at playing very good football when they're behind. Jalen Hurts leads all quarterbacks and expected points added when his team is trailing. They don't seem to get rattled whatsoever by slow starts, and this is a team you really got to put away, and I think that is legit. Outside of all the randomness and the flukiness that comes at the end of games, I think it is legit that the Eagles are a team that you have to put away that will not fold, that will continue to fight, and, and will force you to beat them over 60 minutes. You can't give them any life. So let's look at the Eagles' schedule this season, right? You come out week one against the Patriots. It's a five-point win against a very bad team. There's a couple of things that I mentioned here. Number one, Week one's always a fluky week, Super Bowl hangover. I'm not surprised this was a close game and the Eagles played poorly. You just wanted to rack up some wins at the beginning of the season. I'll also add that about halfway through the fourth quarter, the Eagles' win percentage was 97%. This wasn't a game that was back and forth the whole time. Their win percentage did not dip below 50% the entire game. It got down to 56% at some point when the game was close at halftime. But otherwise, the Eagles pretty much dominated the whole game until they sort of tripped over their feet at the very end. So they hold, uh, I think it was an 11-point lead, and they get the ball back. Uh, I forget, I'm trying to go through it again, but basically they hold the two-touchdown lead at some point in this game, and for some reason they give the ball back to the Patriots, who score very quickly. The Eagles get the ball back under two minutes, and they just can't finish the game off. So it does look a lot closer than it was, and the Patriots did have a chance to win the game at the end there, which was a little bit scary week one. But you know, I think it was clear from that game that the Eagles were the better team and they would be the better team going forward. Week two against Minnesota. This is one of those examples of a game that I think is a little bit misleading in terms of the Eagles' one, one possession record. This is a six-point win for the Eagles. They dominated the Vikings, and the Vikings scored with 110 left in the game when it was a 13-point game. They scored in garbage time. Game was already over. The Eagles basically blew them out the entire way. They had a 20-point lead in the third quarter. They were dominating the win percentage pretty much the entire time. This is a one-score game, but it's a one-score game also partially because the Eagles took their foot off the gas. They had already won the game. It didn't really matter. And there was no reason with you know a minute left in the game. They had the ball in inside Minnesota territory. They just sort of run the clock and punted out of bounds at the end of the game. I mean, that's that's... I don't know what to tell you. That that that's that is evidence of a team that's quite good. A team that dominates. They might get a backdoor cover. Doesn't really matter. I'm not counting that game. So take those two games. One of them should have been more than one score. One of them is the first game of the season. Probably also should have been more than one score. But let's look since week three. Since week three, the Eagles dominate Tampa Bay. They dominate the Rams, and they lose a game to the Jets that they honestly should have won they were up again at at 80 percent win probability until a really bad interception they were the better team pretty much all day they were minus four in the turnover department but that doesn't even matter that's a loss counted as a loss the eagles lose the game then they dominate miami which is a very good team and they have two bad games in there against the commanders but the commanders is another one which was a 14 point lead until they commanders score a touchdown with a minute left on the clock to cut it to seven but again this is another game which is basically two scores. I'll give you, the Eagles could have lost week four against against Washington, a division game. Things like that do happen. But the second Commanders game is a game that they started slow and dominated by the end. So in that stretch, since week three, you have two blowouts of bad teams, 
the domination of a Super Bowl contender in Miami, a game against Washington that was basically two scores, a bad game against New York, and a bad game against Washington. Okay, that's not the hallmark of you know, a team that's 10-0 and, and and doesn't play any competitive games, but it is a hallmark of a team that's better than their point differential suggests they should be. And then we get into the last three weeks against Super Bowl-caliber teams. You've got the, the third best team in the NFC in Dallas. You've got the best team in the AFC in Kansas City and a Buffalo team that, yes, is 6-6, six and six, but their point differential, if we're going to look at point differential and count it as an important metric, is over 100. They're a team that's been really good all year and, and got into some really bad losses. They were a preseason contender for the Super Bowl, as we saw on Sunday when they're playing their best football. They're still a very strong and competitive team, could be a playoff team still. So that's three games halfway through this gauntlet that people talked about. The first one against Dallas, and I know this probably should have been a loss at the end based on how bad the Eagles started playing, but it's another game that I think if you remember, the Eagles were bad the first half. They go into halftime down 17-14. They come out of halftime in the third quarter. They reel off 14 unanswered. They go up 28-17 going into the fourth quarter, and they controlled the game pretty much. And and I know this was a close game. It was a toss-up game, but my memory of that game is that the Eagles were the better team, and that's less important to me than proving that if the Eagles are getting into a game with Dallas where you can credibly make the argument that they were a better team through 60 minutes, how can you argue that Dallas is a better team? If they've played each other, the Eagles have a better record, and they stacked up evenly. And this is sort of what I'm getting at. I understand the Eagles' point differential is not high, but they've played three games against opponents that you would consider high caliber. And they played all three at worst to a coin flip, at worst to a coin flip. At best, they were better than Dallas, and they dominated a Super Bowl contender in Kansas City in the second half, and they did the same thing to Buffalo in the second half on Sunday. So that takes us into week 13. The Eagles have not been the team, have not been firing at all cylinders. We can say that, and I think everybody would agree as Eagles fans. First half seven slow. But you have seen what the ceiling of this team can be when they're playing their best football. It's when Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback, like you saw in the second half of that Buffalo game, the guy that's the MVP favorite, the guy whose offense is chugging along. It's when DeAndre Swift is getting blocks from a strong offensive line, springing, being cutting back like he did in that in overtime against, against Buffalo. It's when the defense, again, it's not dominant. It's never going to be dominant, but when the defensive line is being disruptive, shutting down the run and getting into the quarterback's face. Those are the recipes of things that have made the Eagles a successful team all year. Their poise has allowed them to win these tight games late. And that's why they're 10-1 and more than anything. It's that their best is better or as good as every other team in the league. Nobody, I think nobody would argue with me on that. When the offensive line and the defensive line are going well, when Jalen Hurts is playing well, they've got more talent than almost any roster in the NFL. And when they're playing at their best, they can beat anybody. We can all agree on that. The problem is they haven't been playing at their best the whole year, and they haven't been playing at their best specifically in the first half of these last few games, which is why you get into a scenario where they're two-and-a-half two to three-point underdogs to San Francisco. Now, the Niners, on the other hand, have pretty much dominated almost every team they've played this season except for an uncharacteristic three-game losing streak in the middle of the season. And, and you know, they were missing Trent Williams, They were missing, if I remember correctly, I think they were missing Debo for those three games, dealing with some injuries. But let's be clear about something. This is a team that still lost three games in a row, and that happens. You stumble. Outside of that, they've dominated pretty much everybody else they've played. 
But it's not like this team has been without any kind of mistakes all season. Yeah, the Eagles, take the Eagles. They've had a couple games this year. We can say the first Commanders game. We can say the game they lost to the Jets. And I think that's probably all you can really throw in there. The the first Commanders game, the game you lost to the Jets. And if you really want, let's call it those two. Those are the two games this season I would circle and say, hey, this is, that was bad. That was a bad showing. Other than that, 50-50 games against Buffalo, Kansas City, and Dallas, I, I don't think you can call those poor performances at all. So San Francisco has three games this season where they've really stumbled quite poorly. The Eagles have two. Outside of those games, it's true. San Francisco, let's look at some of their quality wins here. They beat the Cowboys by 32. They beat Jacksonville by 31. Those are dominating performances. They beat their division rival Seattle just last week pretty convincingly. Now, Seattle played the worst game maybe I've ever seen from a good team this season. Just shot themselves in the foot over and over and over again. But they also played the Rams close, only beating them by seven points. And they beat Tampa Bay by about the same margin the Eagles did. So, you know, where do we land on these C- the 49ers? Well, I'll put it to you this way. I think that thus far in this season, these teams have been playing pretty similar football. But you do give credit to the 49ers for dominating teams that are worse than them. And you do ding the Eagles a little bit for not doing the same. But you also give the Eagles credit for, for winning some pretty tough games in, in that middle stretch there. Now, like I said, the, the Niners do have three really quality wins on their schedule in Seattle, at Seattle, at Jacksonville, and versus Dallas, and, and they won those games handily. The Eagles beat the Dolphins pretty handily. So, again, it's not, it's not crazy to say that the Niners are favored in this game. It's not a super big surprise. I do think it's disrespectful for a 10-win team. I think they're going to use that to fuel them, but... You know, we'll be honest, San Francisco's a very good team. It's, it's, it's likely that the Eagles will have to go through San Francisco if they want to get to the Super Bowl. I, I almost, I, I'll come out and say it, I think almost 99% certainty if the Eagles want to go to the Super Bowl, they're going to have to get through San Francisco. Probably have to get, get through Dallas, too, the way that this is breaking. But, you know, let's focus on San Francisco right now. This is a good team. This is a very good team. And, you know, we can look at their playmakers. You know, we saw these guys last year, so we know a little bit about them. But Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle on the defensive side, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, Nick Bosa, and Eric Armstead. That is dangerous. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Now, they lost Talanu Hafanga, who was their all-pro safety. But other than that, they've been pretty healthy all year. So... We're going to get into the matchup a little bit. Let's think about what exactly are places the Eagles can exploit with this Niners team, a team that's that's clearly a very good team, dealing with fewer injuries than the Eagles are, have been putting together dominant performances more frequently than the Eagles are, and have dominated very good teams that they have played. So where does that leave us? All right, well, there are two places that San Francisco, I would argue two and a half, two places that San Francisco can be a little bit exploited. Number one is the offensive line. I think they would tell you that themselves. Trent Williams is a Hall of Famer at left tackle. But other than that, line leaves a little bit to be desired, especially on the right side with Spencer Burford and Colin McCavitt. I don't even know who these dudes are. Let's be honest with ourselves here. You know, they tried to block Hassan Reddick with a tight end last year in that play that, that, that Purdy got injured on. But, but, you know, there's a reason for that. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to do gimmicky things, and there's a reason for that. This is, a, this is a matchup that if the Eagles defense wants to slow down the Niners, the defensive line has to dominate their offensive line. And I don't just mean in the pass game, I mean in the run game as well. They're going to lean very heavily on McCaffrey through the tackles, inside zone, trying to exploit the Eagles linebackers, and the defensive line, which might be without Fletcher Cox, 
has to play one of their best games of, of the season. Otherwise, there's another place, and obviously a lot of people know this, and I think, you know, I, I would circle this and underline it. Some people are going to try to tell you I'm wrong about this. I think a huge advantage in this game for the Eagles is Brock Purdy. I mean, you heard Shil Capadio on the Ringers Philly Special this week talk about how if, if Kyle Shanahan could, he would have a robot play quarterback for him. You know, I don't think Purdy has made some throws this season, and I'll, I'll echo what some other analysts have been saying. Purdy's made some throws this season that have been impressive, that have shown more mastery of the offense, more arm talent than maybe you saw last year. But ultimately, what he is doing is just managing Kyle Shanahan's offense brilliantly. And and that goes more to Kyle Shanahan's pocket than I think it goes to Purdy's. This is still a guy who is the last pick in the draft. He's playing like a good quarterback, but I don't think anybody's I don't think anybody's scared of Brock Purdy beating you. I think people are scared of Kyle Shanahan and these playmakers beating you. I don't think people are scared of Brock Purdy making tight window throws, marching his team down the field in a two-minute drill with pressure in his face, reading defenses, confusing looks and things like that and beating us. And if he does, credit to him. There's not much you can do. But otherwise, this is a guy you got to take advantage of. Now, He's number one in QBR this year. But again, all these things sort of come to the same point in my mind, which is that when the Niners are ahead, when they're front running, which they tend to do pretty much in every game, it's very easy for Purdy to execute this offense. All he has to do is hand the ball off to McCaffrey, look for his checkdowns, get the ball to his playmakers in space. A lot of these guys are often wide open. He just has to run the plays as they're called. And when they're ahead, that's very easy for him to do. When you put a little bit of pressure on him, however, and you get them out of their rhythm and out of their structure, I think that challenge becomes a little bit more difficult for Purdy. And he's somebody this year, and I I have to go back and check the exact statistic, but he has been throwing turnover-worthy balls. They haven't necessarily resulted in a large number of turnovers for him. But, you know, I'm echoing what Shil Kapadia said on the Ringers Philly Special. you got to turn him over. I mean, if you're going to win this game, we all know it's cliche, but if you're going to win this game, you got to win the turnover battle. The Eagles have been bad in the turnover department this season. Bad mistakes from Jalen Hurts, miscommunications with the wide receiver, terrible fumbles, bad throws with a guy in his face. You can't do that on offense, but on defense, it's even more important, as or even more important, that you force Brock Purdy to make mistakes. You put pressure in his face. And this is going to be a big game for Sean Desai going against probably the best offensive line in the NFL in Kyle Shanahan. You have to confuse Purdy. You have to throw looks at him that he's not used to. You have to get pressure into his face. You have to speed him up. You have to do things that get him out of structure. And that starts with stopping the run. You've got to stop the run. You cannot watch Christian McCaffrey run all over you on Sunday. You've got to put the game on Purdy's shoulders. You've got to make that guy beat you. Because if he beats you, he beats you. But if you're going to have an advantage in this game, it's Purdy and that offensive line. Their playmakers are so good. I don't think I trust James Bradbury to hold up against these guys. Our linebackers are not going to hold up against Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. They're just not. They're not as good. If you're going to win this game, it's going to be forcing Purdy into some mistakes. And a lot of that comes from generating pressure and not falling behind early. If they're able to get ahead, get into their, their script, their rhythm, run the ball down your throat, milk the clock, you're going to lose the game. If you start out on Sunday and play a terrible half of football, three and out kick, three and out kick, three and out kick, you're going to lose the game. And and this gets back to a brief thing I'll say about the Bills game. I mean, the Eagles defense played like 90 snaps on Sunday last week. This is a t- unit that's going to be tired coming into Sunday. 
you got to control the ball a little bit. Have some drives that extend past the three. You can't keep going three and out. So for the Eagles' defense on the off- and the Niners' offensive side of the ball, I think, I think that's the key. Stop the run, get pressure in Purdy's face, and, and generate turnovers. And those are going to sound like pretty obvious, obvious things. But in this game, I think it's more important than most. You know, you could have said the same thing about Josh Allen last week, get pressure in his face, turnover, he's a turnover-prone guy. Yeah, but we got pressure in Allen's face. We held them on first and second downs. He just made plays out of structure on third down and beat you. And I don't think Purdy can do that. All, all these sacks that we've seen Mahomes and Allen slip out of in the last couple of weeks, I mean, you got to get Purdy to the ground. You, get, you have to. And you got to force him into third and longs where he has to throw and the routes have to develop. And the, off, and the defensive line knows that it's a pass rushing down and can get after the quarterback a little bit. So I think this is a big game for the defense. I honestly think the matchup between the Eagles' defense and the Niners' offense is more interesting to me. It's the one where Desai can really have an impact on this game. It's a, it's a place where the Eagles can really win this matchup. Despite the fact that the Niners are the best offense in the NFL, I think it's a place that the Eagles can really show their power and show their might, and, and that's a place where they can create some positive expected points for themselves. On the offensive side of the ball, much has been made of Brian Johnson, the slow starts, the play calling, and I'll just get my, my two cents quickly there. You know, I think Brian Johnson's been fine, but I think it's foolish to suggest he, he hasn't had problems this season. And the Eagles' numbers look good, scoring a lot of points. At the end of the games, when you look at last week, they scored 37 points. 30 of those came in the second half, but they scored 37 points. Their second halves have been amazing in the last couple of weeks. But there's just too many moments with Brian Johnson where he makes head-scratching play calls. And I don't think you can put that entirely on him. I think part of that is also on Jalen Hurts. I mean, we heard that he's been checking some plays at the line. I think he checks into those quarterback draws more often than people want to tell themselves, or even checks into the screens. But there's just too many places where I think they're getting too cute. I think they're overthinking it. I think they're too committed to things that have proved themselves not to work. And, you know, I don't think he's going to hold them back from winning a Super Bowl this year. But I do think there are games where if he's going to be, if he's too much of an anchor, they're not going to be able to overcome it against some of these good teams. And I think that the most important thing for Johnson is that people aren't really thinking about him the way they have in the last couple of weeks. Just let the plays develop. Don't try to get too cute with it. You have A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith, you have Jalen Hurts, you have DeAndre Swift. Instead, they're throwing screens to Julio Jones on third and 14. They're trying to run Kenny Gainwell. And I think Gainwell's been better in the last couple of weeks. But just stick to your playmaker. Stick to what works. So, you know, on Sunday it's going to be important. The Eagles are going to have a really tough challenge against this Niners defense. This defensive line has been very it's very good. And it sounds like Lane Johnson's going to play, but even when Johnson's been in there, this, this offensive line's had a little bit of up and downs this season. And I think a little bit of that has to do with Jalen, but they haven't been as clean as maybe we've come to expect them in the past protection game. I think a lot of that is because Jordan Mailata... He's an excellent run blocker, and he's been an average pass blocker this year. Um, you know, I think Jurgens and Dickerson, they've been good all year, but but both two guys that I also think have been slightly better in the run game than the pass game. You know, obviously, Dwayne Johnson's a tank over there at right tackle, but these pockets have been collapsing on Jalen a little quickly, and I think one of his bad habits, which I think he's gotten better at in the last couple of weeks, but it's certainly still a bad habit of his, is breaking the pocket early. 
And when things get hectic and the pressure seems to be in his lap quite often, he, he tends to drop his eyes a little bit and break and tan and try to make plays out of structure, which, which kudos to him, it works out because he's a very talented quarterback. But it's not a sustainable model. Especially with a defensive line like this, the Eagles have to be very, very smart with their pass protection, tighten things up up front, and win their one-on-one battles. Because, you know, Jordan Mailata is going to get... Nick Bosa and Chase Young by himself on an island on Sunday, and he's got to win those matchups. He, he just has to. He might get help from a back chipping, but but he can't be beat cleanly. So that's going to be important. You know, it all starts in the trenches like we know. But even more important than that is recognizing that this defensive line is quite good and that we should really be going after their cornerbacks. You know, you might not be able to run the ball easily in this game. I think you should try to establish the run. But if you're finding t- you're having a lot of trouble on the ground, just spam quick throws, man. I, I think this is a place where you can really get aggressive in the short and intermediate passing game and trying to make things happen quickly and not let the pass rush get up and up, up and onto the field. One of the things that really pissed me off about Sunday against the Bills is you saw how many times they just picked up easy yardage. Just quick five-yard curls to their tight end, Dalton Kincaid, or things like that, that just the middle of the field was open. Niners are obviously better in the middle of the field than the Eagles are on defense. The Eagles don't have great linebackers, but it shouldn't be difficult to manufacture quick, short, easy yards, easy completions, dump offs to the running back, things like that. And I think those are the kind of things that you might have to rely a little bit on, especially if your offensive line is getting whooped a little bit, which, which it might. I mean, this is a very good defensive line. It's a very talented defensive line. Otherwise, this has got to be a big A.J. Brown game. I mean, let me pull up the Niners' depth chart again, but uh, this is not, you know, as we saw last year, it's a decent secondary, but it's not a secondary that you're going to run home scared about. Charvarius Ward, uh, Jair Brown took over for Hufanga. Tashawn Gibson has got to be 400 years old right now. Diamade Lenore. These are guys the Eagles are better than. You know, Tashawn Gibson is 32 years old. Uh, Diamante Leonore could not cover the AJ Brown. I mean, I know it was a weird game because of the injury, but like this guy cannot. This Diamante Leonore and Charvarius Ward should not be able to win matchups against AJ Brown, Devonte Smith. Truthfully, nobody should. But those are guys you got to go after and take advantage of your Eagles. I know they're not bad players. These are pretty good players. I'm not. I'm not saying they're bad players. I'm just saying in a game of this caliber with so many talented players all over the field, those are guys that AJ Brown and Devonte Smith have to dominate. Hopefully, you get Dallas Goddard back. I don't think you are. So. You know, it's going to be tough to take advantage of some of these safeties, maybe. But I don't know. I mean, I don't have a lot on the Eagles' offense versus the Niners' defense. It's a very good unit, and the Eagles are a pretty good offense. So you just have to get yours against them, and and sure you're not making too many mistakes. Try to keep drives going. You know, you want to finish drives, but you know, I take a couple field goals in these opening drives instead of the three and outs that the Eagles keep punting. Keep your defense off the field. Dominate the clock a little bit. Milk it. If you can run the ball on these guys, then run it. Keep on running it. Force them to bring those safeties into the box and then go over their heads with I.J. Brown and Dante Smith. So, again, like I said, I think the key matchup, the pivotal matchup in this game is the Niners' offense against the Eagles' defense. The Niners are going to be heavy, 21 personnel, 22 personnel. We're going to see Kyle Juszczyk. We're going to see Elijah Mitchell. We're going to see George Kittle. They're going to go big. They're going to force the Eagles to go into their sub-packages, linebackers and safeties on the field, Zach Cunningham's probably not going to play on Sundays. You're going to see a lot of Nicholas Morrow, probably Christian Ellis. I think Sidney Brown's going to have to play a little bit in the box. This is going to be a big game for Kevin Bayard. Darius Slay and James Bradbury are going to be left alone a little bit with these wide receivers that are pretty talented. So in my mind, that's where this game comes down to. The Eagles' offense is talented. The Eagles' defense is talented. They're going to get theirs. You know, if assuming there's no insane turnover luck or anything it's going to come down to how much the eagles can slow down the niners and whether they can really force purdy into some turnovers 
Zooming out a little bit more, I think the last thing I'm going to talk about today before uh, I let you go and we'll come back next week to review this game, talk about the path forward, is just the Eagles' path to number one seed. I've talked about maybe a hundred times on this podcast how important the number one seed is in football, and now even more so now that there's only one bye as opposed to two. You know, you can do some easy, quick calculations. Just go out and do it yourself. You know, even if you think the Eagles are a worse team than all these teams, playing one fewer game and being at home against two teams that you're better than is a far, far, far preferable scenario than being a better team having to go on the road and play three games. So right now, New York Times gives the Eagles a 69-70% chance of clinching the number one seed. If they beat San Francisco, that number goes up to 93%. The Niners are pretty much the biggest obstacle between the Eagles and the number one seed. It's true Dallas could theoretically catch Philly, but the markets seem to think it's much more likely that the Niners win out and the Eagles drop two games than the Cowboys than than that the Cowboys catch up to the Eagles. So basically I'll say a couple things. Number one is that the Eagles win both of these games the next two weeks, they pretty much lock up the number one seed. You know, they'd have to stumble really heavily against against the Giants and the Cardinals. I mean, you can sort of pencil them in on let's assume they win those last three games. If they drop any of those last three games when it matters, they don't deserve the number one seed anyway. But if they win these next two games, you can be pretty confident they're going to lock up the number one seed. Now, in reality, they're probably going to drop one, if not both of these games. Tough games. They've already won three coin flips in a row. The Niners game is the one that you want to win. And I know that's going to be a, kind of a tough pill to swallow, given the rivalry and the hatred of the Cowboys. But splitting with the Cowboys is fine. Losing a game to the Niners when they're right at your heels and they have an easier schedule going forward than Dallas does, is going to be a big deal. Uh, and, and I'll pull up the, the schedules moving ahead in the last couple of weeks. Um, San Francisco goes at Philadelphia, then they host the Seahawks, then they play the Cardinals, the Commanders, and the Rams, and in there on Christmas is a game against the Ravens. That's the big one. You know, If they drop a game between now and then besides the Eagles, it's probably going to be that Ravens game. Maybe Seattle puts a scare into them, but I don't really see it. The Ravens are the only team that really could, could give – San Francisco run for their money after this week. Um, and so that's a dangerous situation. There's a chance that the Cal- the, uh, the Niners win out. Now, obviously, if the Eagles lose this game but win their next five and finish the season with two losses, nobody can catch them. Um, so that's a possibility, too. But I think if you're going to choose one of these games to win, it'll be the Niners game, and that's partially because this Cowboys schedule is pretty tough down the stretch. They've got Seattle on Thursday, which is a game they should win. But, you know, that's a place they could stumble. I mean, today, yeah, Thursday, today. They've got the, the Eagles next week, but then after that, they've got the Bills and the Dolphins and the Lions. And and I don't think any of those teams are necessarily better than Dallas. Dallas has been pretty strong all year. But the odds that they drop one of those games is better than I think the odds San Francisco drops any of, any of their games moving forward. So I think you want to put three games between you and San Francisco, pretty much make sure that, that they can't catch you, and then you can worry next week about beating the uh, – beating the Cowboys and locking up the division, although you might get a little bit more help with Dallas than you might get anywhere else. Um, and, and I'll just I just check the Niners page as well. You know, if they lose to the Eagles this week, their odds of winning the one seed go down to 2%. Um, for Dallas, obviously, they would have to catch the Eagles. Uh, they only have 3% chance of, of getting the one seed to begin with. So for the most part, people think that, you know, the markets at least think that uh, the Eagles – you know, should be fine in the division here. Um, it's it's more of a question of can anybody catch them? Uh, well, be be that Detroit somehow making a run at the end of this at the end of this year, or uh, or, or more likely San Francisco, which which is the biggest threat to the one seed right now. Now, 
All that being said, obviously you're going to try to win both of these games. If you do, pretty much have the one seed locked up, and that's important because it gives Jalen a chance to rest down the stretch, get your get your chance to get your guys healthy. Jalen's dealing with this bone bruise situation in his knee. He's not been 100% all year, but it sounds like rest is the most important thing for him to let it heal. So if you can find a way to steal two or three weeks at the end of the year for Jalen to recover, I think you'd rather have a Jalen at, at 95% and a little bit rusty, not having played for a few weeks, than, than the Eagles team that we have right now, which is you know, in, in rhythm and playing every week and, and trying to get into a rhythm, but a little bit banged up, and you, and you can see that. Um, so that's all I have for you right now. You know, last, The last thing I'll just note on, on the injuries, I think Fletcher Cox did not participate in practice today. I don't think Dallas Goddard's going to play on Sunday. Lane Johnson seems like he's trending in the right direction. Um, you know, I think you probably don't have Goddard or Cox on Sunday. Cox is is a pretty significant miss, I, I think, especially because they're thin at defensive tackle. Now, Milton Williams might be back, but he's got a clear concussion protocol, um, which is always a challenge and sort of a fluky thing. It's not, you know, it's not the same as, as normal injury timelines. Um, so Milton Williams coming back would be big, but, but you know, Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter played a lot of snaps on uh, on Sunday, and, and I think... Uh, you would ideally like to have as much of a rotation there as possible. Um, otherwise, health-wise, you know, everybody else seems to be good, but we've got an, our eyes on, on those guys. Um, and uh, obviously Shaq Leonard came into the Eagles building the other day, uh, visited with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Sounds like he's going to make a decision in the next few days between one of those teams. I think the more the merrier at linebacker, especially that's got a guy that, that has all Pope Predigate. I don't think he's playing at a great level right now, but you know, am I going to take Shaq Leonard over Christian Ellis? I, I think so. Um, and Zach Gertz was released today by the Arizona Cardinals. That seems like a pretty obvious reunion to me. Um, you know, Albert O can't see the field. The elevated Noah Tagiai last week. I mean, they're thin behind... Dallas Goddard at linebacker. I think Jack Stoll is fine. Zach Gertz is, is pretty old and washed at this point, but you know I'd rather have Zach Gertz as the third or second linebacker than what they have right now. And, and even if he doesn't play, I'd rather have him in the building than not. So uh, hoping to see Zach Gertz come home and uh, hoping Shaq Leonard ends up in Philadelphia bolster that linebacker depth a little bit. Um, but yeah, this has been uh, Behind the Birds podcast. Big two games coming up for the Eagles. Uh, a pretty significant heavyweight battle against the two best teams in the NFC. It's going to be a lot of fun, um, and hopefully the Eagles can pull something out of here. And by the way, one last note that I'll say, I know we've talked a lot about these 50-50 games. We'd love to see the Eagles put together a complete performance and beat a team convincingly, but right now, these next two games, just give me the coin flips again. If we win coin flips again, I'm not going to complain. Give me those coin flip wins. I, I don't care. Right now, at 10-1, and one, you win these next two games, even if they look bad, even if it's fluky, it doesn't matter. You want to lock up that one seed. It doesn't matter anymore. Lock up that one seed and then worry about getting your play right. You know, I, 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 I know, you know, there are times in the season where if you play well and you lose a fluky game, that's all right. You know, at least you're, you're showing yourself that you're playing well and it's good things to come. But in these two games, the importance of them in the standings, I think you'd rather have, have the wins here and look sloppy and just pull it out and, and kind of fluky than anything else. You, you just want to win in the win column, put some separation between yourselves and, and, and San Francisco and Dallas so that you can lock up that one seed. So obviously we want, we want a, a strong performance, a strong win against both these teams, but uh, I think no matter what, you know, the most important thing, as Jalen says, keep the main thing the main thing. Obviously, uh, the other one he has, the standard is the standard. I think these next two weeks, the main thing is, is winning, and that's going to be the most important thing. And obviously... You know, you want to see them play up to the standard that they know they're capable of playing. But I think, uh, I think, 
two wins here would be pretty, pretty massive in terms of positioning for the playoffs, and uh, we, sh- we shouldn't forget the importance of that. Uh, so we'll see this weekend. My official prediction, I think they split these next two games. I don't exactly know how it's going to go. Um, I have a good feeling about San Francisco a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm, I think... Let me see how I'll put it this way. If we lose to San Fran- if we beat San Francisco this week, I think losing to Dallas next week is a virtual lock. Um, the same way I thought if we lost to Buffalo last week, I would have felt a little bit more confident about this San Francisco game, just the weird quirks of fandom. But uh, I-, I do have a weird feeling about this San Francisco game in the positive direction. I think they're a little too amped up. I think they're a little too eager to prove themselves and beat us. And I think that might help them at the beginning. But, you know, it- it's just a little bit weird how much they care about this matchup. And I think that might come back to just hurt them it's just a weird it's just a very strange approach they're taking to this game and i think all the talking they've been doing will fire the eagles up i think the eagles want to prove themselves to to the public um gonna be the more level-headed team a a team that's used to playing in in these tight difficult games um and i I just think that sean i have just you know a weird uh, a super weird change from last year i just have so much confidence in sean desai relative jonathan gannon i think he throws some things at brock purdy and and the eagles could get some turnover luck in their in their direction um and so i don't really know i think it's again going to be another one of those toss-up games i think there's a chance the eagles do pull it out in the end i think the niners are correctly slightly favored to win this game um I don't know if I can go on, on record with a prediction. It's just going to be sort of a, I don't know. I, I think the Eagles play the game close. That's what I'm certain of. I don't think they get blown out. And I don't think they blow out San Francisco. I think it's going to come down to a couple possessions at the end. And you just got to hope that our guys are better than theirs. And when I say our guys, I mean Jalen, Brian Johnson, Nick Sirianni, and Sean Desai. Uh, and this defensive line in, in these closing moments against their guys, Purdy, Shanahan, uh, Bosa, Chase Young, so uh, Fred Warner. Um So we'll see. We'll see on Sunday. Uh, But, you know, as always, go Birds. And uh, thank you for listening. And and glad we can be uh, back for another big episode, another big Eagles week.